Hello, my dear listeners, and welcome to Catamania. I am, as you can tell, and as you probably know, in Mexico, and I was hoping that before recording this episode, I will find a studio, which I did. I did find a studio, but it was booked. So I had to record this episode in our apartment that we're renting, and there are roosters in the neighborhood. So you may be hearing some roosters in this episode, but they were not the guests of honor. That's for sure. Um, they're really, really loud, actually. Like, I didn't realize how loud roosters are until I came here. And there you go. I don't know if you could hear that, but there was literally a rooster roosting. Why do roosters roost anyways? I, I, I have to Google that probably before I ask you on here. Anyways, let's go to the episode. I have been wanting to bring on a social media expert person who really knows how social media works for a while now. I know a lot of you are considering potentially, you know, having a social media account for your businesses or for yourselves. And I do get quite a bit of questions as to, you know, how it all works. I know how it works. Um, I know how Instagram works, but I'm not, you know, that's not really my business. My business is not um, social media in the sense of like teaching people how it works or knowing the back end of it. Um, I learned that stuff just like most, you know, influencers, bloggers, podcast hosts do. And one of the people that one of the first ones that I um, followed and subscribed to was Kelsey Exley. Kelsey is a Vancouver based entrepreneur who build a social media agency that creates content for brands or individuals and also does social media management. She has quite a following herself, um, primarily, or her primary uh, platform is TikTok, but she's also involved in Instagram and YouTube. She's very knowledgeable about, you know, the back end of things. Um, so it was a very educational and technical episode about how she started the business, what her business is about, um, what is social media management, what is social media and where it's headed. So we talked about many interesting things. It's inspiring. She built her business in the peak of pandemic or when the pandemic started and uh, it took off in the last, how many years was that? A couple of years. And she did that between ages of like 22, 20 to 24. Kelsey's now 24 and she's a successful businesswoman. So it's awesome and inspiring. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do, and if you love this podcast, feel free to give it five stars or thumbs up, depending on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And of course, please come say hi to me on Instagram with my handle being Christina Cataman, C-I-R. No, I'm misspelling my own name. Wow. <laughs> I'm doing great. C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-C-A-T-A-M-A-N is my name, Christina Cataman. I love you all and stay blessed. You are in my favorite city in Canada, Vancouver. Yes. Are you from Vancouver? I am. I grew up about an hour outside of Vancouver, so I've always been in the area, but now I actually live downtown, which is so fun. Lovely. Yes, I, I love Vancouver. It's fun from the perspective of nature and also just fun as a city, I find. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's whenever I go to other cities, it's usually like very nature or very city. And this is for sure a good combination. So I feel fulfilled here on both of those, you know, aspects. Yeah. 
I find that every time I go there, the food scene is amazing. I know a lot of people say that like nightlife sucks. I'm not really into nightlife as is. So for me, that's not a problem. But I know that a lot of people who are like really into late nights and partying, they say that Vancouver is not the best. Are you, are you a big yeah. partier? I'm not. I mean, I love to go to restaurants. Like that is my favorite thing. And I think Vancouver has such good restaurants. And yeah, I guess the club scene is what people are referring to. We don't have a ton of clubs, but I've never been one to enjoy going to a club anyways. I have my few little, you know, pubs or bars, but yeah, I'm not like a stay out super late party person. So yeah, it's not an issue for me. It's actually ideal. Yeah. So Kelsey, you are involved in a business that is, I feel like in such high demand here. Do you want to talk a little bit about what it is exactly that you do? Yeah. So I do, I guess a lot of different things, but all surrounding social media and content creation. So I do have my own personal brand where I create content, um, around my own life. And then I do some brand deals and things like that. I have my own podcast and then that's kind of how I view one side of my business, I guess. And then my other side is my agency where we do content creation and, social media management for businesses. So it's all surrounding social media and content creation, kind of just, yeah, lots of different avenues. What made you pick this area specifically? I've always really loved content creation. Growing up, I've always made videos and I had a really failed YouTube channel, but that was always something that I really loved to do. Didn't necessarily think of it as something I would pursue as a career. It just seemed you know, that's just not something that seemed very realistic to me at the time. But during the COVID pandemic, I found out what social media management was. I didn't even know what it was before that. Um, and I thought, well, I love social media. And since I didn't see myself being, you know, an influencer or content creator growing this big audience, I didn't really see that for myself. I thought I could be on the other side of it as a social media manager. And then funny enough, that actually led to me building my own audience and being a content creator as well as a social media manager. So kind of a full circle moment. What I'm hearing is you kind of took what you love and turned it into a business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It kind of just evolved into that. It's yeah, something that I've always loved. So something that I already kind of had my foot in a little bit of more, yeah, on like a passion side and then realizing that I could involve or evolve it into a business or something that could make me money was an awesome realization. Yeah. For sure. I think social media obviously has a lot of, you know, negative aspects to it. I don't deny it, but I think it's just such a great field of opportunities in all areas. Right. And I find these days, if you are like, I mean, there's lots of industries that of course could survive and could thrive uh, without social media, but so many of them out there don't even realize how much bigger and how much more prosperous they could be if they use social media as, you know, a platform or even as like their business card to share what it is that they do. So I, I want to go back to something that you posted, uh, fairly recently about what happened exactly during the COVID pandemic and how you, you use some adversity in your life to get to where you are today or to start the business. Uh, because I'm a huge believer in the fact that adversity sometimes comes for us to see opportunities. And I feel like you kind of did exactly that. So do you mind just sharing um, exactly at what point you were like, okay, I need to, I need to get stuff done to become successful? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm also a huge believer in that when you go through something tough um, and a lot of things, I don't always like the 
phrase, everything happens for a reason, because some things are just really awful and there's no reason for it. But I do believe that no matter what is happening, you could find a silver lining or a lesson or some sort of inspiration to take you to a next level or on a new journey or a new opportunity. Um, And I do think that's what I did. I was going through, I mean, everyone I think was going through a hard time during the COVID pandemic in one way or another. Um, Me and my family especially were. And it kind of gave me the push that I needed. I think entrepreneurship was always something that I had in the back of my mind that I wanted to do. But sometimes you can get so caught up in the day-to-day things that you don't really take that moment to really go for it or think about it in a real way. And then being so down during a really hard time in 2020, it kind of gave me almost when you hit rock bottom and you're like, okay, well, this is it. I've hit that rock bottom. This is what we're at. What can I do now? And that actually gave me a lot of motivation. I think I'm someone who's good under pressure, but also just I had so much motivation to get out of the situation that I was in that it really gave me a good drive, almost like you have nothing to lose. So, you know, you just go for it kind of without thinking too much. So I think that was something that definitely really helped me in the beginning of my business. And then on top of that, too, almost from a different angle, um, kind of what we were just saying about businesses, realizing that they need social media. 2020 was a big game changer, I think, for businesses who weren't already utilizing social media. So I think I got into this industry at a really good time because a lot of businesses were actively looking for that because they're like, yo, we don't have any storefronts. We don't have anything. If it's not virtual, it doesn't exist right now. Everyone's at home. So I think a lot of businesses were maybe for the first time being like, okay, we need to take our social media seriously. So I think it was just the stars aligning all at the right time. And it was definitely meant to be. And it worked out. I love it. And what is your main platform? And what is the platform that you believe is like the future of social media and people need to jump on if there is such a platform? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that exists. Uh, so TikTok, I would say definitely is my main platform, mainly being because that's my biggest audience. That's the content that I love to create the most. Probably I love to create videos and um, connect with people on TikTok. I don't know. It's so hard to say what is the future of what people should be putting all of their effort into. I also really love Instagram. I'm still a big Instagram person, even though it's a really frustrating platform in the last few years. I still do really like Instagram. But what I like to tell people is to really focus on the platforms that you actually enjoy, because that's going to be the easiest place to show up for you and to create content for. If you're not a video person, if that totally terrifies you, stick to Instagram. Photos are still very relevant. Pinterest, that's a great place to be. So kind of find a platform that actually aligns with the kind of content you like to create, because that's going to be a lot better use of your time than just trying so hard to be on these platforms that aren't really aligning to you. And of course, give it your best shot. TikTok's an awesome place to be. So if you haven't tried it, for sure, try it. But if it comes down to it and you're like, this is really not for me, it's okay to do another platform. Yeah. I totally get what you or totally felt what you said there about like having a preference. I definitely am so much more about Instagram than I am about TikTok, even though I see the opportunity in TikTok and it's, I don't know. It's like a, it's a totally different platform, even though like they so much are trying to be like one another. I feel like sometimes with all the updates, like you can almost see them mimicking one another a little bit because I guess they see how like people move you know, in 2020, everybody was trying to move away from Instagram to TikTok. And then like, it kind of evened out. And then people were kind of like moving back to Instagram. And it's just, it keeps on bouncing. And I'm like, just keep each other separate. You know, like, there's a reason why some, we, some of us came to TikTok 
and we still left our Instagram. It's because, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Do you find that it like, is there a better platform for certain industries or is it, is it kind of all like, what does it depend on? Like if somebody has, let's say a business right now and they're listening to this and they're like, well, I don't really know. Like, does my business, should my business have a preference depending on what it is that I do? Yeah, I think that's a really smart way to look at it. And for sure, I think there's better platform for platforms for certain industries. I think what you really need to look at is your target audience. And if you know your target audience really well, then you can kind of know what platforms they usually hang out in. So I've had certain, like, I'm really not a Facebook person. I'm like Gen Z that I'm not super into Facebook. I was going to say, if you don't mind my asking, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 24. So I guess I'm like kind of on the cusp of Gen. I think I'm Gen Z, but maybe I'm a millennial. I don't know. I'm like yeah. right on that, 98. So it's kind of on the line. Okay. I'm, I'm past the Facebook thing, right? It's a little bit like older, I guess. I still have a Facebook. Group, I don't like Facebook either, actually. I deleted my actually, account from there. It's kind of gone, right? But yeah. I have talked to certain business owners where I'm like, no, you know what? Like you should be on Facebook. That makes sense for you. It's like more local business. Your target audience is like older generations where that's where they hang out. That's how they consume content. And then on the flip side, there's people who your target audience is super into Twitch live streaming. Like it can be super random. I think if you just really, really nail down who your target audience is and understand that person, you can go from there and pick the platforms that they're actually hanging out. And that's going to be the best course of action. How do you make money on social media? I love that question. <laughs> I feel like that's the question that everybody wants to know, right? <laughs> my grandparents, they're like, we love you, sweetie. You're doing so good. But like, are you okay? Are you actually making money? Where is it coming from? I'm so confused. <laughs> and I get the confusion. Um, so there is, I think the most common thing people think is things like the creator fund on TikTok. Uh, personally in Canada, we don't even have the creator fund, so I'm not in that. Um, but even in the States, I'm pretty sure you don't make that much money with it. The majority of income actually on social media is obviously brand deals. So if you have a larger following and you can get brands to sponsor some of your posts and you endorse their products, that's one way to make an income on social media. Another way is selling digital products. So whatever your niches that you are posting about, for example, I post about social media. So I've made a few small, you know, eBooks or courses about social media marketing for business owners or other content creators. And then for me as well, I use TikTok, sorry, not TikTok. Yes, TikTok, but social media in general as lead generation for my agency. So we do content creation for businesses. So it kind of all is surrounding social media but it's not really coming from the platforms themselves. It's coming from outer kind of either me coming up with products and services to sell to my audience or brands coming in wanting content for their brand. Do you usually reach out to brands or do brands find you? Typically they find me, which is why I think it's so great to actually create your own social media presence as either like a social media manager or a UGC creator, it's really great to have a social media presence yourself because then you're getting a lot of inbound leads. Like I would say 90% of all my clients have been inbound from my social medias and then they apply on my client application and then I get in touch with them. Um, I do some outreach of course as well too, to brands that I'm just like, oh, I really like that brand. I really want to work with them. I'll go and, you know, follow them, interact with them and I'll email them. But a lot of it is just inbound from posting on social media. So people find you and reach out to you. What is UGC? 
UGC, it's so funny that it's called UGC because I have been doing UGC since before it was termed UGC. Um, but it's basically just when you are creating content for a brand and they're actually just taking that content and posting it on their own account versus the traditional kind of influencer marketing where I have a following brand comes to me to make content and I post on my platform to my audience. Now, instead they're taking that content and posting it to their platform. It's way more cost effective for the brand. Um, also content creators can be UGC creators without having a huge following, which is nice. There's like less barrier to entry to make money from making content and brands can kind of create their own social media presence. So it's kind of a win, win, win. Um, and something that we really focus on in my agency, we offer UGC, although we just call it content creation, but, uh, yeah. UGC. So you basically just create content for a brand. So they ask you to create a piece of content, whether that's pictures or videos for them then to post on their end. Is that, is that it? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Mostly it came, it became a huge thing. I think once brands realized that TikTok and reels were a really big thing and it's a lot more effort to make these short form videos and to have a face of their brand than it used to be with just static Instagram posts. They were like, Oh, we kind of need creators to make this content because the CEO of these companies aren't wanting to sit on their phone and make TikToks typically. <laughs> What about when it comes to brand partnerships, are there any red flags that people should be watching out for or certain things that just are like a total no-go that people fall for, especially if someone had just started, you know, creating content and are starting to gain traction and they're looking forward to having some brand partnerships and all of that. What's, what's some things or what are some things to look out for? For sure. So I think brands sometimes, and I don't want to villainize brands because I love brands. It's a, it's a, it can be a really great partnership and collaboration, but a lot of times brands are at the end of the day, trying to get the cheapest deal possible. They want to get the most content for and use less of their budget as possible. So sometimes they are going to go to you and try to give you kind of a bad deal and you kind of need to be able to stick up for yourself and also know what you're worth, which could be difficult because it's such an unregulated industry, which is why I think it's so important that like I always share on TikTok things about like rates and how much you should be charging and like conversations like this are so important so that creators can understand that and brands can understand that. So I think that be aware of things like usage rights. Because sometimes a brand can come to you and as a new creator, $100 for a TikTok video sounds amazing. Like for sure, that was like me when I was first starting. I was like, 100 bucks to make a video, obviously. But then you don't realize in that contract that they're going to take that video and run ads on it for the next two years. And you're not getting paid for all of that. And your likeness is there and you're, that's your content. You don't own it anymore. So there's little things like that that I definitely recommend you do your research about to make sure that you're not getting taken advantage of. And then other things too... I find a lot of brands will reach out to me and they clearly haven't really done their research or due diligence on their part to where they don't even know my name or they don't know the kind of content that I'm posting. So it doesn't end up being like a mutually good deal. Cause I'm like, well, my audience probably wouldn't get value from this brand. And clearly they didn't even go and see that. They're just maybe sending out a mass email, which to me as a creator, I'm like, well, I don't really want to partner with that brand if they don't even care about me or my content or my audience. So things like that, I guess, just take the deals that you actually feel aligned with and you feel good about and the brand feels the same way about you. Yeah, that's huge. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, in the chase of 
making money off of what you do because it takes a lot of time like i i understand that it's not you know maybe doing a I don't know, like double bypass, like heart surgery or whatever, but, but content <laughs> takes time, right? And it takes effort and you don't want to, as someone who's, you know, working on social media and creating content, you don't want to like partner up with a brand that your audience is going to be very clearly seeing that you're just trying to sell and make money off of, right? I always, you know, tell my followers, I've had a couple of um, potential brand partnerships that, I just had to turn down because I was like, I'm sorry, but I'm not selling this to my audience. Like I, I personally wouldn't use it. So I don't want to recommend something that I'm not going to use because A, it's going to be just inauthentic and I'm not going to be sincere. I'm just going to make the video or, you know, the post to advertise for the sake of advertising and making money. Whereas if I work with a brand that I actually would use, am using or would buy, then it's going to be so much more authentic and I'm actually recommended it, recommending it from the heart, right? And my followers are going to trust me. And it, it's just, it, it's got to be aligned. I, I totally agree with you. So let's talk about your agency. When you say, um, you said social media management, right? Is that yeah, your front and content creation? So what is social media management? So social media management is exactly what it sounds really. It's just we basically manage social media accounts for businesses. So we'll do things like make sure your content's going out, write your captions, do the hashtags, reply to all the comments, the DMs, do some engagement on there. We're essentially just managing your account for you. And do you have access to businesses or individuals' accounts in that case? Like, do they give you access to? Yeah. Yeah, we'll be fully logged in, in the account, doing everything in there, and then... Um, if it's just social media management, typically that is the business will send us content and maybe we'll edit it and make sure it gets posted and everything. But a lot of businesses also want content creation. So we'll actually be making the content as well as posting it and doing the social media management. And then it's just totally off their plate. They can just go and like approve all the photos and be like, sweet, or videos and be done with it. Do you have primarily individuals as clients or is it businesses and brands? Typically businesses and brands, that's the more majority. Although we have had a few, I've worked with some influencers and creators, more photographers, hairstylists, things like mm -hmm. that. Um, but more typically businesses or brands. That makes sense. I find when, like, I always thought about when, when I get to the point of potentially hiring somebody to manage my social media, I was like, I don't know if I want that. I would want help, but I don't know if I want necessarily somebody to fully manage my account maybe like partially as an individual for my podcast or for like a like a brand that i would create definitely because it's just it's a lot less mm, personable i guess or not personable but it's as an individual it's you it's you who's the brand whereas if you have a business it's your business that's that's a brand right uh, although i definitely see benefit in in having that even as an individual when you get to a point where that's like your almost like your marketing tool as opposed to the communication tool with your with your audience. And at what point do you think businesses need to have someone come in externally and manage their social media? Is it when they're pulling out their hair and they're like, ah, oh, I, I can't do this anymore? <laughs> yes, I yeah. think it's when you get to the point where, especially because social media, typically these days at least, it's usually your biggest tool marketing wise. So if you're not 
being able to give a lot of attention to your social media and get content out, then you're not really getting the brand awareness that you need. So if you get to the point, of course, when you can afford it, that's important. So once you get to the point where you can kind of afford to outsource, um, it's going to obviously be an investment at the end of the day, because if you have someone consistently doing your social media, that's getting you more brand awareness, more sales or more leads. So once you get to the point where you can afford it and yeah, you no longer have time as a business owner, just so many hats to wear. So as soon as you can outsource anything, I would recommend doing it. And social media is definitely a really important one. I mean, you see these big companies, they have, you know, teams of dozens of people doing their social media and their marketing and everything. So even as a small business, if you can outsource to one smaller agency like us, it's a good place to start. I think also, you know, you mentioned earlier, your grandparents are like, are you like, are you doing okay? I remember when I started doing social media work, um, I think my mom was like, really? She's like, that's, is that a serious job? My mom is like very, you know, traditional in the sense of jobs or used to be. And then I, you know, sat down and I was like, how do I explain this to her? And I explained it to her. I was like, mom, you know, it's think of it as a, a marketing tool. Like there's different ways of, there's different fields of marketing. Influencer marketing and social media marketing is something new, but it's huge. Like there's, there's a huge return on investment when it comes to influencer marketing and brands actually seek that. Because again, if you have an individual that you follow, for example, and you really like that person and you really trust that person, and then that person recommends something to you, of course, you're going to be more likely to like, at least check it out. Right. So I remember, you know, after having that conversation with her, she was like, oh, okay, I get it now. And then she got on Instagram, not on TikTok, but on Instagram. And she was like, oh, I totally see it. Like, it's kind of cool, you know? So I wanted to ask, um, when it comes to, you know, somebody who's listening to this right now, and because I know I was in those shoes, I was like, you know, I have a feeling that I should be doing something on social media. It's it's a way for me to reach more people. Um, It's a way for me to entertain my, my content's primarily comedy. And now I'm doing podcasting to kind of I guess, provide more value to the world by talking to, you know, people who figured out things in certain areas uh, to educate people. And what if someone is listening to this right now and they're like, well, I would love to, but I don't know where to start. What would you recommend? I would recommend, first of all, I think you can't put too much weight on yourself right off the bat of, okay, I need to gain all these followers right away. I need to start making money right away. Because with social media, that's It really is a little bit unrealistic to think that way, but it's very realistic to think, what do I love? What do I enjoy? What can I create content about? And then put content out into the world about what you love. And you never know what could happen. The internet is a really cool place. There's so much opportunity. So I think if you can start, if this is something that you really want to pursue, I think the thing that a lot of people do, not wrong, not that this is wrong, but it is a little bit harder, a lot harder to grow and have something actually come of your account. If you're just kind of posting randomly about your whole life, like that's awesome, but that's how everyone uses social media. Like everyone has an Instagram account and they post their Mexico vacation and their dog and their wedding and you know, their whole life. And that's amazing. That's how we should be using social media, but on a little bit more strategic almost side where you actually want to grow something and maybe turn this into your full-time thing. You do have to think a little bit more, what value can I give to someone where they would actually want to follow me? So you were just saying you did comedy. Like 
I'm not funny at all. I could never do that. If I did that, nobody would care. But if you're like, hey, I have a knack for this. I'm funny. I could give value to the world this way. That's such an awesome thing to do and post content about. If you have a weird niche interest that you're just obsessed with, like the moon or space or something, and you have all this knowledge on it, post content about that because people are going to get value from that. So I think just figuring out the little things about yourself that you can really dive deep into and create content about is a good place to start. And it's not going to be perfect. You're going to put out your first few videos and then be like, oh my God, I look crazy. It's not perfect. That's okay. You're getting practice and you're putting yourself out there and you can always broaden out as you go. Like I always find most really successful creators started by posting really specific content. And then as they grew, as their audience grew, they broadened out and were able to post about more things. And now people actually do genuinely care about these creators and they could post their vacations and their dog and their wedding and everyone would love it because now they've gotten to know that person. But I think you need to start in the most humble, nice way. Like nobody really cares about you when you're first starting. And I don't want that to sound mean, but you have to think, no one knows who you are. Why would they care about your whole life? But they would care about maybe this one specific thing that you can offer to them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So you recommend niching out in the beginning and then broadening your your content as you become more and more successful at it, as you gain more and more followers? Yeah, 100%. I think that's a good kind of way to go and create a brand for yourself almost. And then as you grow, you can kind of naturally figure out, okay, how can I pull in other aspects of content? I think, do you know Anna Sitar? She's a huge TikTok girl. She's like adorable. Um, so I think she's just got to be over like 10 or 20 million followers on TikTok now, like huge, like at the Oscars and everything like that. But she just started posting, um, you know, it was like a trend on TikTok where she would say, if he doesn't take me to brunch every day. I don't want it. Like she was just doing this like really trendy thing where she did pretty much the same video all the time and it was catching on as a trend. And that's how she started getting momentum. And then she kept doing videos like that over and over and over and over and over and then broadened out. And now people care about her whole life. And she's like basically a celebrity, but you kind of got to start find that one thing that works and do it a million times. And then you can broaden out. How do you get past that first stages when nobody is watching your videos, nobody's following you. And on top of all that, you know, like let's say a coworker of yours or a family member or like a friend who's not really your friend sees your video and is like, what are you doing? You're so cringe. How do you get past the fear of being cringe? Yes, the fear of being cringe. I mean, luckily I was born with no shame and I embarrass myself all the time and it doesn't really affect me too much, but I totally understand that that is a really scary thing to do. Um, and I think you just have to, first of all, with the views and everything like that, where no one's watching at first, you kind of can't attach, you cannot attach the views and those kind of metrics to it, even when you are doing great. Cause maybe you have one viral video and then the next video is not viral and you're going to feel like crap all over again. So I think kind of being able to emotionally detach yourself from those numbers is helpful. Cause then you're just putting out content. And you can just enjoy that process. And even if there's two people watching or two million people watching, you can still enjoy it. That's super important to make sure you can keep going even through the downtimes. Cause even I have a large following on TikTok, but TikTok views are super down right now. So I'm right now not getting a lot of traction. That's hard to get through if you have put all of your identity into how many views you're getting. So it can be tough. And then with the people making fun of you or cringe, I think you just have to see the bigger picture and First of all, like you were saying, your friends who are not your friends. If your friends are going to make fun of you, they're probably not your real friends. And maybe you need to find some better friends. Um, but 
you kind of have to just see the bigger picture and see like, hey, going after this goal, like in a few years, say this kicks off and it's an amazing thing, you will not regret those few months of being cringe. <laughs> or if it doesn't work out, you're never going to regret doing something. I think you would regret not doing it and think, oh, what if, what if? I think everyone, especially in their like 20s and 30s now, grew up with a YouTuber. Everyone was like a YouTuber. That was a huge thing. And everyone now is like, why didn't I start that YouTube channel when I was 14? It's like, because you were embarrassed and you're doing the same thing now with TikTok or Instagram. So just, just do it. You never know. I always say the biggest thing to ever work on is to how to stop giving a fuck about what other people think. Because we just, and the thing is like, I remember hearing it from, I think it was Jordan Peterson. He was talking about how like, it's actually, you need to reframe how you think about it because it's technically normal for us to care because we're like, you know, we're, we're humans, right? And we have this need to belong. We have this need to be accepted. So that's not a problem. The problem is when you stop it or stop, allow it to stop yourself from doing what you want to do. So you need to identify that, hey, this is actually not, it's natural for me to care, but it's unnatural for me to not do the things that I want to do because I care so much about what other people think. And a lot of times those people who are criticizing you, they're not, either they want to do what you're doing and they're just, you know, silent about it. That's how they express it, right? Uh, their jealousy, so, so to speak, or they just aren't doing well themselves and they're, you know, in chaos and they don't, they don't know what they want to do. And they see you being focused and achieving something. And they're like, well, this is, that's a problem, you know? Um, yeah, there's that quote that says nobody that is doing more than you would ever criticize you. Someone who's yeah. more successful than you would never criticize you. Only the people that are, yeah, a little bit jealous of your courage. Yeah. Do you get any hate or negative negativity? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I had a really hard time dealing with that. I don't get a lot. It is like for the most part, so positive, but if you put yourself on the internet, no matter what or who you are, you're going to get some negative comments, whether it just be trolls or whatever. Uh, there is always going to be hate. So I do get a little bit. I'm better dealing with it now. I was going to say, how do you deal with it? It's weird because I've always been someone who has, like I was saying, like I've never cared too much about what people think about me. I'm pretty secure in myself. I know I'm a good person. I never thought I would be someone that would be bothered by that. And for the first little while of my TikTok, even when I was growing, I wasn't getting any negative stuff because I was really just posting social media tips. Like there's not much you can say bad. Eventually. That's what baffles me. I'm like, what kind of hate do you get? You know, like <laughs> I post some really controversial stuff very often, like dating and, you know, comedy is meant to, you know, talk about controversial stuff. Right. And I get like, I get bombarded sometimes. I get a lot of love. Like I get, I always say I get a lot of love, but I also get a lot of hate, but like you provide so much value. It's such, you know, it's a show though. Like no matter what, for sure. You just have to focus on the love, but no matter what, I mean, I'll post a day in my life and then so much love on it. Everyone's like, this is great. And then there's like 20% of the comments being like unrealistic, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Just, you know, hating on me. And then, you know, there's people who say that I'm a liar, a scammer, a fake, just, I don't know what it is. Or just then just the blame me ones where you're just like, oh, you're ugly. Okay. Just a lot of negativity, mainly from, it's a very specific demographic of like older men who just can't Interesting. Like young, especially women now can be successful on their own. And I still like to go and do super girly things and 
I don't know. I think there's a baby. I think it's a jealousy at the end of the day. Yeah. Like, oh, I live in a beautiful apartment and it's all pink and I make six figures and I did it myself, believe it or not. So I think it's mostly. So that's why I try not care about it. But um, yeah, I did get more upset about it at first than mm. I thought that I would. And I used mm. to go and try to defend myself to every single person who's saying that I'm lying or that like my dad gave me money or something like that. I don't know. I would go defend myself so hard. But then at the end of the day, you realize that these people are just trolls. Mm. They probably don't even actually hate me. Maybe they do. I don't care. But they really just want a reaction. They just want to talk to somebody back and forth on these comments. So it doesn't matter mm. what I'm saying. Even if I block them, they're going to make new accounts and come back. I think when I just realize it like that, like, oh, it's almost like they're not even real people. They're just mm. trying to, I don't know, they're bored and just posting yeah. rap stuff. <laughs> When you think of it that way, I'm like, I'm wasting my time trying to defend myself to somebody who probably doesn't even actually care. And you know, the funny thing is I bet you like, you know, 99% of those people, if they saw you in person, they would never be able to say what they were able to write. It's that, that barrier that they have, right? The screen. And they know they have pretty much no consequences for what they, what they say on there. And it just almost like motivates them to, to say more. Yeah. And I've even got comments before where I'll reply and they're like, oh, I'm actually so sorry. I didn't really think you would see this. I thought I would just get buried in the sea. I'm like, then why did you leave it though? I think people are so, they forget that when they're watching someone on a screen that it's a real person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can actually read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you respond to most of your comments or do you? Like, how do you engage with most of your following? And is it important to engage with your followers? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely try to reply to as much comments as I can, the positive ones at least. Because, um, yeah, I think it's super important. I have a lot of my followers that I've seen engage with my content for so long. And now I feel like we almost have a bit of a relationship just from commenting back and forth or they'll watch my lives and I can recognize them. So I think engaging with your community is huge. And of of course, when I post content, usually the type of content that I'm posting, people have questions and I want to help them even further and figure out what other questions they have and I can make more content about that. So definitely important to engage with your audience because you want to have a, have a community feel with your audience, not just blind following that you aren't even like <laughs> interacting with. Yeah. I want to just circle back a little bit to your business because um, I know that a lot of my audience would like to know, I mean, we all like to know the technical side or a little bit of that technical side, at least of a point where a, you decided that, Hey, this is going to be a business and B, how did it become a business? How did it go from, you know, Kelsey alone doing all of this to, or if you weren't alone, then, you know, how many people did you have in the beginning? And then, the technical side of like, Hey, this is now a business. And these are the steps that I took to make sure that it's like legit that I'm, you know, reaching out to clients kind of like a general, but a little bit more specific technical view of how that happened. Yes. Yes. Mine was huge. A lot of learning curves, a lot of mistakes. Cause I had no experience in business or how that works at all. I'm very good on the more creative visionary side. And then the technical stuff I can get a little bit lost in, but for me, I, I started out just by myself, um, freelancing, solopreneur kind of thing, doing social media management and growing my social media platforms. And that was going well. It became a full-time thing once I got enough clientele that I was making enough income to quit my waitressing job at the time. So that's kind of how that evolved. And then 
once I got to the point where I was making enough income and I had enough client demand, like I had a wait list and a lot of people wanted to work with me, I realized that I could actually hire help and scale. Cause I was kind of at the point where I was like, I can't really do anything else by myself. I only have so many hours in the day. I was getting burnt out. I was starting to not really enjoy it anymore. So I kind of had a choice to keep going along that path and being by myself or hiring a team, which was scary for me. Cause like I said, I had no business experience. I don't know how these things work. I didn't really have anyone to ask. So, um, that was hard for me to like take that step, but, but you didn't I, let it stop you. You no, like, I didn't, like, a lot of I didn't. people would be like, I don't know how to do it. So I'm just not going to do it. Right. That's very true. No, it's so true. I'm very, I'm okay with, and like bless the girls that I have on my team now, their, their patience and their grace is I'm so blessed because I definitely, it was not a smooth go when we first like got the team together and I started trying to go from doing this by myself to doing this with the team. It's so different because some systems or lack of systems that I had in place doing it by myself wasn't correlating to do with a team. You know what I mean? So there was a lot of adjustments that have to happen, but um, I learned as I went and I made mistakes and learned from the mistakes. So I guess the process like just kind of went when I got to the point where I couldn't do any more by myself. I had the means to hire some help. I found a few girls that I really liked to work with. I actually had them in one of my coaching mentorship programs. And I was like, I like these girls. I like the way they work. I'm going to offer them uh, like part-time kind of contractor positions with an agency. So it's not too much pressure where I have like full-time employees. They're just contracted client to client basis. So when I get clients to come on, I can actually give them to my team and then I'm just overseeing it. So it kind of went from me being the social media manager to me managing social media managers and they do like the day-to-day client work and I just oversee it. So, which I'm enjoying a lot. I really like the leadership of that and like the mentorship of that versus the day-to-day tasks. And it's also great because I'm giving them an outlet to be able to do social media because that's their passion and they love doing that. So it's been really cool. And you did that, what, between 22 and 24 years old? Yeah, yeah, 22. Girl! Amazing. <laughs> I know. Sometimes I have to remind myself because I'm like, I just messed up so much. I think everyone's like, wow, that's so impressive. I'm like, I feel like I failed my way up. Like, I just kept like making mistakes and failing. So sometimes I feel like, oh my God, what a mess. But I'm like, you know what? I got me here. I'm doing okay. We're learning. What does failure mean anyways? Exactly. It's learning. And I think, you know, if, if you're afraid of failure, but you want to be successful, you're never going to get there. Like you're never going to get there. Right. Because it's, you're, you're definitely going to mess up and you're definitely going to, you know, be at a point on numerous occasions. And I'm speaking from my own experience, like with my husband and I have a, have a business and the amount of times that we're like, Oh my God, like this is, what is happening? We don't even know what's happening, you know, but you have to figure it out and it forces you to learn and it forces you to keep going. If you don't do it, you're, you're, I've never met a single successful person who says it was all just smooth sailing. Like from the beginning to the point where I am today, it was all chill. Everything was working out a hundred percent of the time. I was just like the happiest. Never have I ever met somebody who would do that. But people really love to downgrade. I find success. Like they'll look at you when you are at your peak sharing you know all the knowledge and stuff like that and they'll be like well of course you know like she's so lucky or like of course this it it, she probably had help she probably had this see how like perfect everything was for her and it's like no i just i'm not gonna take you through the whole life story right now you know yeah so well that's awesome um congratulations and you picked an industry that i think 
seems to me is going to keep growing and growing. Like, I don't think social media is going anywhere. What do you think? Like, do you, do you think that social media is going to just keep growing and growing? Are there yeah. platforms that are going to fade away? There's like this narrative that, I mean, a lot of people in North America think that TikTok is like a surveillance thing. Have you yes. heard of that? And yes. I, maybe it is. But then to me, I'm like thinking, well, but Instagram then also is a surveillance and your device is a surveillance thing. So I don't know, like, I don't know where I stand on that. I mean, my life is already out there. Like people already know what's going on. Right. Um, but it, do you think that I also heard a narrative, not because of that, but that TikTok maybe will fade away a little bit because it's like not sustainable. What do you think about all of that? What's the future of social media? Yeah, I think that we can't ever be too attached to any platform. I mean, if you remember, if you were ever to Vine, like that totally just disappeared. So it is possible, although I think it's unlikely that TikTok will, a lot of people are talking about getting banned in the US, I think, um, mm. because it's, I don't know, China surveillance or something. I don't know about all that. I think that TikTok is making everyone a lot of money, and I don't think that they would just cut it off realistically. But if they did, then they do. I think social media will continue to evolve over time. And that's why for me, like, yes, I love TikTok. I love Instagram, but I'm also like, I also have a YouTube channel and a Pinterest. Like I do try to, and an email list, I try and still not put all my eggs in one basket and stay on top of the times. Like social media is never going to go away. In my opinion, I think this is an industry that will continue to grow and evolve and change a lot. So if you're in this industry, you have to be willing to change. Like I, I love when people in social media industry are like, Oh, this sucks. The platform changed. A new feature came out. This is so annoying. I'm like, you're in the wrong industry. If that's annoying to you. It should be, <laughs> that's never, you're never going to have everything stay the same. So I'm always trying to stay on top of new technology, new innovation, like AI, even web three decentralization. Like I enjoy all of these new things and I like to learn about them and stay really ahead of the times, I guess, for that exact reason, because I know that I'm in the industry where that's going to happen, whether I like it or not. Um, and it's, it's kind of a choice if you want to get left behind or stay relevant and evolve. So that's something that I definitely value. And I think it's an awesome industry. So I'm excited to see how it evolves over time. And maybe in a few years from now, there might be a totally new platform that we have no idea about. I'm sure there, I'm pretty much hundred percent sure there will be. We just have to be willing to be a beginner over and over again. Do you think that there's a time to take a break from social media? Like, yes. Can it, can, it, can it be too much for someone who's consuming it a lot? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I've definitely struggled with that. Because for me, as a 24-year-old, social media is also a pastime and a hobby and a fun thing, but also my job. So it's hard when my I'm on social media all day for my job. And then I'm like, oh, time to unwind. And I'm doing the exact same thing. I'm like, okay, this is too much in my brain. It's so bad. And you almost get like addicted to your phone and you're so caught up in everything and you get this like anxiety from always being on it. So I'm definitely learning a lot of boundaries to like shut off my phone at like five or 6 PM and like take some time away, go outside. I recently had a huge, like not dramatic, like breakdown, but I went on this like camping trip and completely didn't even bring my phone. I was like, turned it off. Goodbye for like four days. And I was like, oh, that's so good. I think it's important not to that drastic measure, but every little while to take a few hours or a day or a weekend away from your phone, just to remind yourself that you can. And it's actually not that bad. Like I didn't miss my phone. I wasn't having withdrawals because I went a few days without it. So it's good to even remind yourself that, you know, you don't have to be so caught up in it. Life goes on. You're okay. So time away is actually so important. 
Yeah, I think a lot of it also has to do with how mm, little. So I'm from Eastern Europe, and there you just always you're always socializing with people. Like when as soon as you go outside, there's human beings around, and you're always talking. And I found like a huge shock for me was I mean in Vancouver it might be different, and especially if you're living downtown because it's kind of you know it's a congested place. But I used to live in Calgary. And I was like, I am shocked by how little I talk to people. And I'm, I'm an extrovert. So it also, you know, doesn't help living in a place where that's not really the culture. So for me, it was so hard to not be on social media for a while there because I was like, well, I have no one to talk to and I need to talk to people. Like I need to communicate, you know, I need to, I need to just be with people. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that so much time is being spent in North America and maybe the other Western countries too on their phones. Like it's, that's kind of my theory. Did you hear apparently, I don't, I mean, I, I don't live in China, but apparently in China, if you're on TikTok, it tells you like after a certain time, they're like, Hey, you've been here for this long. You might want to consider like exiting and, you know, yeah. coming back later or something like that. We don't yeah. have that feature. <laughs> we should, we totally, I mean, I think you can do it on your phone. Like I've tried to set up by myself and my apps, like on your phone, but when it's yourself doing it, you're just going to press ignore and like, go through with it. So I know, I think it's like a controversial thing where they're in China. Like I've heard that they're doing that. And I think it's really, especially for kids and stuff. I think that's a really good thing. Like have a limit. And I love that you brought up like the culture differences because that is so true. Something that I've been learning so much more about. I went to Europe only really for the first time kind of. Um, in September and I went to Italy and it's so true. Like everything I see about that and everyone tells me that, but I went there, I was like, oh, people are really just like, you'll go into a store to buy something and you'll have like a 15 minute conversation. Like that is just not the case in North America for sure. And like, I think Vancouver is a friendly city. Like I, I meet people, yeah. we have good conversations, but on such a small, smaller scale, like you're walking down the street and you're like, go to get the groceries. It's like self-checkout. Don't talk to anybody. <laughs> like have my headphones in while I'm grocery shopping. Like, and I'm an extrovert too. So I always find I'm like, oh man, why are we like this? I don't like it. Yeah. I really don't know what it is. And, uh, I find that in Europe, uh, people are like, you know how a lot of Canadians will go to Europe for the first time and they'll be like, I don't know if you had that experience, but they're like, oh, people here are so rude. And it's like, they're not rude. It's just that it's the opposite. They don't greet you as warmly. Like they won't, I've never heard anyone back where I'm from say, hi, how are you doing? That's just not a thing that you say. You just say hi. But if you start a conversation, the conversation will get really deep, really fast. Like you'll talk about like your kids, your, you know, like really, um, personal stuff. And I think that forms connections much easier. Whereas I find like in Canada, people are really nice, but if you ask them something personal, they'll just shut down, you know, not everybody. I'm obviously generalized, generalizing right now. Level. Yeah. It's very, it's very surface level. So I find that, yeah, in Europe, it's, it's kind of like the, they flip it, you know, like they, they're not very nice right off the bat, but they are nicer in a way when you actually become friends. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe that has something to do with it, but that's so interesting. Um, yeah. Kelsey, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this flew by. How can our listeners find you online? I am at Socially Kels on every platform and my website, sociallykels.com. I also have a podcast, Social Hour on Socially Kels. So yeah, that's all my different things. Awesome. And is your podcast primarily about social media? It's, yeah, primarily about social media, business, the mindset stuff as well. Uh, yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time.